0: Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets, sports, and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life legal tampering period edition. Today's podcast is going to update everything that's happened so far through the legal tampering period with the New York Jets and even some other teams. As we know, Monday at noon began the legal tampering period where agents of players could begin speaking to organizational people, front office members, and start agreeing in terms to deals. Now, the new league year doesn't officially begin until tomorrow at 4 p.m., Wednesday the 17th, 4 p.m., But a lot of these players, as we've seen, have just been agreeing to deals, as is the case every year, well before the deadline comes. You can start having those conversations with the agents, and you don't want to wait until the money dries up in the market. you got to get out there, try to get a deal. Teams in the same boat, they're trying to get players before they're gone or the position group dries up. So very quickly, everything starts happening. We've been getting notification after notification, and there's a lot to get to in this one. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet because the Jets have only begun the work that they're going to do. And then we're going to do another episode in two weeks. It'll be a, a recap of everything that happened through free agency because at that point, the dust should have kind of settled. We'll get a feel for what the team has. We'll probably make a few more, you know, modest signings throughout the offseason just to fill some holes, maybe some insurance and stuff like that. But the big bangs, the big splash, that's going to happen between now and you know, a week from now, they'll probably basically be done. We've already seen a few of them for the Jets already. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to grade the three big picks the Jets have made thus far, talk about the holes that we still have, talk about uh, some players that could potentially fill those roles. And let's get to it. Before we start, I got to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. As you know, this is under the Gang Green Nation podcast series title, This is the Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. I have so far had a blast through NFL, legal tampering, free agency, whatever you want to call it. I've had a blast and I have been all over Twitter for the past 48 hours or so. Just shared all sorts of crazy opinions and wealth and little factoids, whatever. So follow there if you're interested. And that's basically it. Let's get to this episode. Quickly recapping. We came into this thing with a bunch of holes. We were a bad team last year. Second worst record in the entire NFL. We have issues, holes, basically everywhere, but we know that Joe Douglas, our new GM, had his first draft last year, and the emphasis was to try to bring in new young players, rebuild the line, bring in team chemistry, locker room type of guys, and build through the draft. That's what his position has been always. So getting young guys, building through the draft, key. We've seen us trade some good players for more draft picks, trying to get more capital in that to continue further building through the draft. Jamal Adams was the big one. But, of course, with the amount of money that we have, because we haven't really drafted well in all of Mike McKagan's career with us. You know, he had one or two here and there, but almost all of those guys are gone. Very few players were paid. Congratulations to Marcus May on getting a franchise tag. He will be playing for the Jets for one more year, so that was the first move made before this whole period began. Very exciting for him. And that was one of the big you know, wins of that McCagnin sort of drafting period. But other than that, we have a ton of holes and a bunch of young guys. So when you look around, it's like, yeah, there's not a bunch of money spent on really anybody. Crowder's the highest paid player on the team. So the Jets come into this thing with the second most caps space in the league, second to only the Jaguars. Again, another bad team, the only team that had a worse record than the Jets. So it all makes sense, lines up. But we wonder, how is Joe Douglas going to approach this free agency? Last year was his first free agency, and what we saw was he had a very – Cautious, tentative approach. He didn't make any splash moves right away. At, at times, with all the money that we had, we were sitting back going, what the hell is he doing? Is he going to pick anybody up? Or are we just trying to suck forever? And I think, to some extent, we weren't trying to build the whole team up right away. With Adam Gase, with everything, I think it was almost expected that the team wasn't going to be all that competitive. And Maybe Adam Gase was just a goat in that whole you know, operation to help us make sure that we didn't have a great year, got good draft capital, and would be in this position now. But, of course, eventually you do have to start making some moves in free agency. Last year we had Connor McGovern. We added a few other little pieces. Some didn't work out. A bunch of one-year deals for guys like Jordan Jenkins, Brian Poole, Pierre Desir, and all those guys not back with the Jets right now. Joe Douglas also doesn't like to talk about contract extensions during the year, so we didn't extend anybody like Brian Poole, Neville Hewitt, Terrell Basham, people whose contracts were expiring. We just waited on May to do a franchise tag. So it's been a very slow... Sort of a timid approach. You wonder sometimes, is Joe Douglas afraid to commit to a player to give a big contract out? He got a few last year, but you can't just draft everybody. Even if you had a great draft, a great draft would be getting three to four guys right as you know good key players, members of your team. A good team has like 30 players, and a rookie contract lasts four years. So even if you drafted three, four guys a year, you'd be getting like, at the end of four years, you'd have what, 15, 16 good players. You still need to have a lot of other guys out there. And you can't just sign them all in one year. you got to start making some good headway through this. So I was wondering, how is he going to approach this free agency? The first initial thought, again, is the offensive line because we know he focuses on the offensive line. He's a former offensive lineman. Build the wall, that's his thing. Drafted Mekhi Becton to further that point, signed with Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten, some other players, George Fant last year to further that point. But it still wasn't as good an offensive line as we'd like to see. We'd like to potentially replace Alex Lewis, for sure. Maybe Greg Van Roten, and maybe even at some point George Fant. That was one of the things we focused on early, but that's not what happened. Free agency came; it was slow. Nothing crazy was happening with the New York Jets. We were seeing a bunch of other teams make some signings. The first signing they make, Jared Davis, linebacker from the Lions, and you think to yourself, "Eh, this isn't really a big splash move." And the money that was originally reported, seven million, was a little higher than what he actually is getting, which is five and a half. million with incentives if he ends up meeting uh, playing time things. We'll talk more about that later. But that wasn't a big splash, and you're like, all right, well, what the heck? Now the Patriots are making a bunch of signings. The Jags are making a bunch of signings. Teams all over, making new moves. Edge rushers are starting to go, and we're starting to panic. Like, we're not going to get an edge rusher. But then come, like, 8 o'clock, the Jets make a big move. They bring in Corey Davis, wide receiver from the Titans. Wide receiver was a position of need for this team. So getting a guy like him, who was on a good team last year and had a very successful season and was – very highly thought of coming out of college and, you know, hasn't really been in an offense that emphasizes the past. And I don't think this offense will be one of those either, but still to get a guy like him, I think that's awesome. This is going to be, if you had him, Corey Davis, Mims, and Crowder, you probably have the best receiving cast that we've had in quite a while. And he's probably not done building that group up yet either. And then after that, you have Gerard Davis, you've got Corey Davis, you got two Davises, you're wondering, they get to sign Mike Davis next? What's the big move? About an hour later, Carl Lawson signs the big one, edge rusher, one of the best young players that was available in free agency, a top-edge guy, tons of quarterback pressures. We're going to talk more about him as well, but it all came alive late last night. And then today, it's been slow going again. All we've really done, we signed those three guys, we tagged Marcus May, and then we re-signed Josh Adams, and we re-signed big play Vincent Smith, who didn't have a good year last year, was considered an X-factor, And both Adams and Big Play Vince will be on the 90-man roster going into training camps. But they are going to have a tough time trying to get out of that, depending on what kind of competition Joe Douglas brings in. Hopefully it's a lot. We'll see if they end up making the final roster, but not a bunch of splashes yet today. We are actively monitoring everything that's going on. It is officially 6.39 p.m. on the East Coast here as we're going through all this stuff and we are trying to follow up with everything. I am uh, monitoring in case anything is important. I mean, Kelvin Beecham just re-signed with the Cardinals. He's next Jet. That's kind of interesting. But we're going to try to hold off on the non-Jets-related kind of boring context. If there's, if there's something breaking news, a big player doing something, we'll, we'll talk about that. If the Jets make a move, of course, this whole podcast is going to go up in flames. We're going to talk about the new signing, instant reaction. I hope we get some of that. But in the meantime, we got to talk about these three guys because that's the big deal right now. Three guys totaling a little over $30 million. The exact terms aren't out. We don't know exactly how it's going to be split up between years and what's going to hit the books this year, what's the signing bonus and everything. And, again, this is all just agreed in terms, right? We haven't actually signed these players yet. We actually haven't given them the formal paperwork yet. That's going to be coming. They're going to be signing contracts in a few days, especially after once free agency starts, which is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Then you draft up the letters. You look over everything. You make sure it's right. Things could be updated we even saw Anthony Barr once agree in terms during the legal tampering period to join the Jets, and then afterwards that deal fell through. He went back to the Vikings. So you never know. We're not going to count our chickens before they hatch, but we are going to act as if these players will hold up. You know what they've said they will do. It's been almost 24 hours for all these signings right now. We haven't heard any word from any of them that they are not. You know that any of these rumors or or words are not true. So I think it's safe to say that all three of these guys will be joining the Jets. Now before I get into my opinions on everything, we got to do a little father time because my dad has also got opinions on them, and before I steal the show and give all mine, we got to give him the first floor to say what he thinks about it. He's been a Jets fan longer. He made me a Jets fan forcefully, and we're going to start with him. We actually, uh, after work, it's always been like a thing that we've talked about that we would take work off during legal tampering for, you know, that Monday and Tuesday and just sit at a bar and just drink all day and watch the news come in. We've always talked about doing that. We have yet to do it, but this year, yesterday after work, we go down 5 p.m. We watch from like 5 to 8.30 or so, and nothing was happening at first. We'd already had the Jared Davis news. It was kind of boring, but we were drinking, talking, having a good time, watching the news, talking about all these teams and formulating opinions and thoughts on what to do next. But then the Corey Davis and the Carl Lawson stuff happened, so we got a little bit of juice there, a little bit of excitement. And uh, This is his opinion on everything that's happened thus far as of now, 6.42 p.m., On Tuesday, March 16th, this is Father Time, written by my dad, David Burnham. It is titled, Defense Deja Vu? Free agency isn't over yet, and we hope that there are a couple upgrades on both sides of the ball. But yesterday, we made a couple of nice improvements. Corey Davis will be a tough wide receiver that had 900 yards last year on a run-based offense. The Jets will be run-based as well, but I expect Davis to be a solid contributor. It's hard to pin down not knowing who will be our quarterback, but as I said, I expect Sam. On defense, the smart, fast, and strong Joe Klecko intimidating and destroying centers and guards, and Mark Gastineau speed rushing from the defensive end position. Klecko would blow up the middle on the offensive line, and Gastineau would race him to sack the quarterback, of course with the additional assistance from Marty Lyons and Abdul Salam. This was called the New York Sack Exchange. I'm expecting the New York Sack Exchange 2.0. Our Quinn and Williams playing the part of Joe Klecko and our new Carl Lawson playing the part of Mark Gastineau. With assistance from John Franklin Myers and Foley Fatakassi inserted from Marty and Abdul, this is going to be exciting. More free agents will follow, so stay tuned. It is a good time to be a Jets fan. Go Jets. End scene. And that was a question mark after. Go Jets. But giving him the floor first, we are going to start with what he said We do have a lot of holes. This team started with a ton of holes. That's the reason that we have so much money. We haven't paid anybody because we haven't filled any holes. We've only really had one Joe Douglas draft, so we've got a lot of work to do. But they did add two really good players and one that is a potential flyer. He didn't mention Jared Davis in this. I don't think he's, you know, a real game changer. He's going to have opportunity. But starting with Corey Davis. As he says, you know, this was a tough, big wide receiver, very physical, a good guy who was Active in a run-based offense of the Tennessee Titans. Now, they played a lot of play action with Arthur Smith. A lot of it was built through Derrick Henry. Play actions, and those would go to John O. Smith, A.J. Brown, and Corey Davis. You had a lot of people to kind of spread the wealth to, especially on a run-based offense. But Corey Davis, 900 yards last year. The guy has been getting better and better every year. I think that when he started in the NFL, it was a little slow. Second year, you're like, eh, he's doing actually pretty good. Third year, kind of coming along. At the end of last year, you're like, Corey Davis is establishing himself into a nice young receiver, and he's still really young. And my dad is right to be excited about that. I think that uh, it's going to change depending on who our quarterback is. Of course, if we have Sam Darnold, if we've got a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Deshaun Watson, who knows? That stuff is all going to change the impact of the wide receiver and what their role is, but he's right to be very excited on that one. Then the other part, I mean, the most interesting thing that he said here is – the New York sack exchange 2.0 is what he expects from this Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams and company group. I mean, he's got a good point in that it really was built by Joe Klecko, just dominating the middle, collapsing the line. And then Gaston being able to come around the edge and Quinn and Williams is kind of becoming that kind of guy, but we've seen him extremely dominant from that position, but not really having help from guys on the outside, Henry Anderson, you know, having Nathan Shepard and Jabari Anigas and, I love me some John Franklin Myers, Basham, Bashman, all those guys. I think they're definite, definite role players that have you know a job on a team, but they're not known for quickly getting after the quarterback. Carl Lawson is, and it is kind of built that way. Now, I think that's a little higher expectation than I have for this unit right now. I think we're definitely on the right path. Maybe need to add one or two more guys. But for him to say that, a guy that lived and rooted for the Jets during the New York Zach Exchange, to see a Quinn and Williams and a Carl Lawson and be this excited at this point in the season, I mean, that feels really good. That's getting back to the old Jets' roots, which is why he titled it Defense Deja Vu. Are we going back to those good old days? It's very possible. So, as he mentioned, plenty more will happen. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens to the Jets in terms of additional free agent signings. But so far right now, off to a good start. Lots more work to do, though. Now, the next part of business that we're going to do here is we're going to grade each of the Jets' free agent pickups so far, at least the exterior guys. But before we do that, we have to take a quick commercial break. All right, everybody, welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We are going to grade Joe Douglas' pickups. The first three, Jared Davis, Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, beginning with the first one that was signed, Jared Davis. He is currently a middle linebacker, or was previously, a, a middle linebacker for the Detroit Lions playing in Matt Patricia's defense that was struggling heavily and led to Matt Patricia being fired. Jared Davis was the inside linebacker there, drafted in 2017 with the 21st overall pick. So he was highly, highly recruited because he's very athletic and looked like he could be a great NFL player, transitioning really well with his athleticism. Now the first two years, 27 and, 2017 and 2018, Matt Patricia's not there. He has pretty good seasons. Two sacks the first year, six sacks the second year, but 96 combined tackles the first, 100 combined tackles the second, 14 tackle for losses between the two, 14 QB hits between the two. You know, some nice pass deflections, some force fumbles and fumble recoveries, even the interception in there in those first two years. Off to a pretty good start. Maybe not living up to 21st overall, but looking like he's got some potential. Matt Patricia comes along and kind of puts him out of position, makes the guy really confused. I was reading a lot of Lions fans' opinions on him. Really, the positives of him are he's a hard worker, a really good guy. He's got a ton of natural athleticism, but the negatives with him are. For the last couple years, he's been out of position a ton, not making the right reads, making mistakes, mental errors, not picking up the right guy, following the wrong hole. When you see that, you wonder, is that based on him not being really quick on his feet, quick thinking when the plays are happening, not good at identifying pre-snap? Or is that an issue with Matt Patricia not letting guys play but making them think? I think Adam Gase was notorious for doing this with the Jets, not letting guys like Sam Darnold or players in the defense just play their position and be good, making them think about what am I doing, what am I supposed to do? And you get to a point where you start playing stiff, you're not think, you're not moving quickly, you're spending too much time thinking and not acting. And the hope is that with Jared Davis coming to this new offense with Robert Sala, he's going to find that sort of speed and rhythm. Now Robert Sala's mantra this whole time has been all gas, no brakes. He said he wants to have a fast defense, he wants to play fast, he wants guys to just not be thinking, just acting. And that's kind of the defense that he ran in San Francisco. And that's what we expect to see here. Now, he's probably projecting Jared Davis to be a strong side linebacker. We're switching to a 4-3 unit, so it's going to be a combo of, you know, having four down linemen and three linebackers. We're going to have some nickels mixed in there. So the linebacker position is going to change a little bit from what it was previously for the Jets. But you've got C.J. Mosley, who at this point we have no idea. It's been two years, and we don't know what he's going to be like coming back. we got Blake Cashman. We can't expect a ton from him because he's really never on the field and hasn't had a chance to develop yet. Then you bring in Jared Davis for this one-year, $5.5 million deal that can be worth up to $7 million of playing time incentives if he gets the field enough. So when you talk about a one-year deal, a flyer with a guy like this, I think that it makes sense because he does have, hopefully, his best football ahead of him. He just needs to be able to think and get in a system that's going to cater to his skills. And if Robert Sala sees him right now and identifies him as a guy that's like, I know what he's got in the tank, I think I can work with it, then I'm all for it. But for a grade, I grade this as a C pick for the Jets. A C for Joe Douglas, his worst of the three. And the simple fact of it is that it kind of is alarmingly similar to Darren Lee. A guy who was drafted early in the first round, put at middle linebacker, a little small but really athletic, had some flash early on, and then you start to think to yourself, is he playing out of position? Should he be an outside linebacker guy? Should he be more of a money backer? What really is his role? And never being able to figure out what he can do. And Darren Lee is one of my least favorite Jets ever. Horrible, not in the league anymore, shouldn't be, bad football player. Jared Davis, you wonder, is he going down that same path? Darren Lee never really got it, and it didn't help. Our offense and defense uh, coaches haven't been super strong. I think Greg Williams was a good one, but it was a tough situation for the Jets going through these rebuilds on these tough teams. But Darren Lee, Jared Davis, pretty similar when you look at the numbers. Jared Davis has a slight edge in terms of his early-on efficiency An impact a little more than Darren Lee had in his first couple of years. But that's what you worry about. And so for me, it's a C because it's also a one-year deal. So even if the guy, say he turns it up and he's doing awesome, he's most likely going to go back into free agency and then get paid more potentially by another team. You'd think to yourself, but if he's a Jet, we have the opportunity to re-sign him while he's under contract with us for that year. But Joe Douglas hasn't really been known to do that. He says that he doesn't like to extend guys during their current contract, waits until the year is over. And if we've seen Neville Hewitt, Terrell Basham, Frankie Louvu, Brian Poole, even Marcus Mates got a franchise tag. He didn't get a real full contract. So it's hard to imagine that the plan is that. We brought in a bunch of one-year guys last year, didn't re-sign any of them during the season to give them extensions. So we'll see what he can do. He might just be another body that can be in there with some potential to do some good stuff, and he'll be a one-year flyer guy. If he's not so good, you know, maybe we bring him back on a cheap deal. If he is good, maybe we don't re-sign him but eventually the Jets will address this linebacker position in greater detail. We just have to see what we have with C.J. Mosley, and can Blake Cashman be healthy. So Jared Davis gives us a little bit of insurance there, and we'll see what he can do playing different linebacker positions, strong side linebacker for Robert Saleh. Can he potentially, with his athleticism, guard some of these tight ends? We've seen the Patriots are picking up Hunter Henry and John O. Smith, two new tight ends, again, try to run their offense through that position group again like they did with Gronkowski and Hernandez. So is it possible that uh, Jared Davis can match up well with one of them? Perhaps right now, given the unknown of it all, given the spotty last couple years that he's had, you're a little worried. but the guy played last year 26 years old, he's going to be 26 years old for this season, turning 27, still really young. still a guy that has a ton of good football in front of him. he just has to hone it in, and you got to believe that Robert Saul is one of those guys that can get it done. And so that is Jared Davis. I give him a C grade. And I'm just looking at my phone here, and whoop, 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 we've got some New York Jets breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Jets have just agreed in terms to sign Justin Hardy, former cornerback of the New Orleans Saints. Justin Hardy, that's H-A-R-D-E-E. And very quickly, just reading through some of the comments here from Saints fans, that's what I like to start with when we sign a new guy. You see Jets fans, and they have a bunch of opinions like, oh, this guy sucks, or like, well, this is the position we need, or should have been this guy. That stuff is all well and good to see what Jets fans are thinking. But the first thing you want to do is go straight to the source, go to the team that formerly had the player, and see are these fans happy that he's gone? Are they missing him? Do they think that he was good? All that good stuff. And Saints fans right now are saying that they are absolutely destroyed that he's gone. Apparently, he is a core special teamer for them. He does not contribute really much at all on defense. But he's a cornerback who is a core special teamer for them and an absolutely loved player within the locker room. So Justin Hardy signing with the Jets to be probably one of our special teams aces. We know that last year our special teams captain, Matthias Farley, is no longer with the Jets. Currently an unrestricted free agent. Could sign back. When you bring in a guy like Justin Hardy, who on a good defense of the New Orleans Saints with a pretty good special teams unit, when he gets picked up as this uh, great locker room presence, it makes a lot of sense for the Jets. We do need to invest in special teams. You can't just ignore it and say some sixth cornerback will just play as a gunner, or we'll just have whoever fill in. Now, you need to invest a little bit into that. All the good teams, too. You see, Matthew Slater with the Patriots is the obvious one that we always think of as a great special teamer for a team. But Justin Hardy coming over, apparently Michael Nani has tweeted that he's got a great tackling percentage. 33 tackles, only missed like five or six playing special teams, which is very difficult to do because, as we know, know, Trenton Cannon would always get downfield first, never make the tackle. Justin Hardy could be a great pickup for the Jets on that special team side. Joe Douglas has been signing guys who are great locker room presences, you know, former college captains, former captains of other teams. He wants to build through this stuff. He wants to have the best culture in sports. And I think from what I've read so far, this is one of those guys It's going to be great. All right, so Justin Hardy, Joe Douglas' fourth edition. Let's give it a quick grade here. So he's going to be a cornerback, and it's a position of need, but it doesn't look like he's really set to play much cornerback, he's really going to be filling that role on special teams. We have to see what the contract is, but usually for a special teamer like him, it's not going to be very big, maybe a million or two. I also, apparently it's a three-year deal with the Jets. We don't have money terms yet, but three years, retweeted by Ian Rappaport, originally by Nick Underhill. Congratulations to this fellow for breaking the news. But a three-year deal for a core special teamer, potentially a guy to come in and take that special teams captain role. I think that when you invest in a special teamer for a guy like Brant Boyer, who you bring back to be your special teams coach, and you give him a guy that he can work with for three years and potentially be a captain, I think this is a B to B-plus move. I don't know enough about him. I've got to watch some more film on him as a gunner, as a uh, punt coverage guy, see if he's a returner at all. Got to see a little bit more there. But, uh, yeah, great move, an unsung hero sort of position for the New York Jets. Way to go. B, for Joe Douglas. The next position would be wide receiver, addressed with Corey Davis, former wide receiver of the Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis was the fifth overall draft pick in 2017, so just like Jared Davis drafted in 2017. And he was signed to the Jets for three years, $37.5 million. $27 million of that is guaranteed. So basically he makes $12 million a year. It'll be split up differently as the years go on, what he gets hit this year, what he gets hit with next year. I think it's a smaller hit this year, bigger next year, and then not as much guaranteed, if any, in his final season. But basically, we've got this guy for two years. He's only 26, just like Jared Davis. He's going to be 26 this year when he plays with the Jets. And he is playing better and better football every single year. So when he started, you know, he was the fifth overall pick so you expected a lot. He only had 375 yards, which might strike you as like, well, that's not great for a guy who's picked fifth overall. He should be an instant contributor. But as we know, as we always talk about on this podcast, wide receivers can take a long time to develop, and it did for him. He didn't have his first touchdown until his second year with the Titans, and he had 891 yards and four touchdowns that year. Really good catch percentage going up. First year, 52%, next year, 58%. In 2019, the Reagan Ryan Tannehill, he goes up to 62% catch percentage, has 601 receiving yards in 11 games started, and then this most recent season with the Titans, he is the most impactful player he's ever been in an offense. 984 yards, 5 touchdowns, 70% catch per- percentage. He had 65 receptions on 92 targets for the Titans this year. And you'll see his yards per target going up every single year, his catch percentage going up every single year, his yards a game basically going up every single year. And Corey Davis, a six foot three, 209-pound wide receiver, is going to be a great impact player for the Jets and one of our starting outside wide receivers, probably opposite of Denzel Mims. Corey Davis maybe isn't the flashiest wide receiver that was available in free agency. Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, some other guys were getting some big love. But Corey Davis was right up there, still really young, was drafted fifth overall because he's got the talent. He has shown that he's progressed every single year. The Titans have a little bit of cap issues, so they weren't able to hold on to him. He falls by the wayside. Jets give him twelve million a year, $12.5 million a year. I think it's a great pickup for him he plays a lot like he's kind of like a Quincy Inunua in his great blocking ability and his big body but he kind of plays and runs routes like an Eric Decker just a little bit more physical than Eric Decker I think that's a great style it's kind of similar to Denzel Mims where Denzel Mims plays like medium to deep with not great yards after catch but that six three frame pretty quick good contested balls Denzel Mims is a little bit more finesse, a little bit more smooth flash, I'd say. Corey Davis is a little bit more rugged, a little tougher, more stiff arms and things like that. But a really good blocker, when you can block like that on the outside, it really helps your run game. And the Jets, considered to have a wide zone offensive line blocking scheme, are probably going to be running the ball outside fairly often, moving outside, and maybe even having some wide receiver runs and some motions and things like that. It helps to have a guy that plays wide receiver that can block as well so Corey Davis absolutely fits that bill. Again, 26 years old, another young guy, former fifth-round pick. We've got him for, at least we're paying him for two years, so we got him for those two. We have him for three if we want him. We've addressed the position wide receiver that has been hampering the Jets for so, so long. I mean, how many years have we gone in with some okay receivers and then ended up getting a couple injuries and playing guys like Greg Salas or Jeff Smith, Josh Malone, just way too many years, just bad going to the bottom of the depth chart. And so addressing the position, he's basically replacing Brashad Perriman, and Corey Davis is much, much better than Brashad Perriman. So that is a huge instant upgrade. And right now, looking at a healthy Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims, I think you've got to be a little excited there. you got a backup in Braxton Barrios who's punt returning and backing up slot right now. And the other guy on the roster that we really have is like Lawrence Cager. And big play Vincent Smith. So we'll see which one of those guys gets cut. I would say big play Vincent Smith maybe first, followed by Cager, followed by Berrios, and you know, Crowder, even if they find another slot guy, they could save the money there because he's got $10 million they could free up if they needed to. But Corey Davis, big addition, nice to have him here. And one of the nice things that I really like about him, not only his age, not only having him for a few years and like, you know, not putting a one-year deal on him, but getting him a little bit more long term, is he's played in all but eight games for the Titans in the 64 potential games that he could have played since being drafted. So this is a guy that shows up on game day and is there when you need him. Finally, a wide receiver that will be on the field probably 14 to 16 games this year, barring anything, you know, we don't want anything crazy to happen, but Corey Davis, an awesome signing. I was stoked when it happened. I'm stoked now. Watch some highlights on him. Watch his body play. Watch him play just like, you know, Eric Decker that Quincy Noon with that big, rugged 6'3", 210-pound wide receiver that was drafted fifth overall for a reason. He is now a New York Jet about to bring some sauce to the passing game, whoever it is throwing the football. I give this grade a B plus. B-plus for the contract combined with the skill of the player, combined with the position and need. Everything about it I really like. I love the pairing, Denzel Mims and Corey Davis. The only reason that it gets a B-plus is the fact that signing Corey Davis for this Probably takes us out of the running for a guy like Kenny Galladay. Maybe means that we won't be getting a Jamar Chase or somebody like that in the draft. Not saying that I would rather go that route, but Corey Davis wasn't the very best option available at the position, but he's up there. $12.5 million, I'm cool with it. Joe Douglas, B-plus for Corey Davis. So we've got a C for Gerard Davis. We've got a B for just signed Justin Hardy, special teamer. We've got a B-plus for Corey Davis. And now we got one more. And that's going to be Carl Lawson, edge rusher, Cincinnati Bengals. We know that edge rusher has been a major issue for the Jets. At one point, we had Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams. It was looking like, wow, we have all these guys in the defensive line. It's going to be great. The boys broke up. Sheldon Richardson, Mo Wilkerson, and Leonard Williams all on different teams. Shout out to Leonard Williams and his massive contract. The Giants just gave him today. But the Jets have had trouble trying to find pass rushers for a very long time, since John Abraham, really. We've brought in a couple of veterans, guys like Calvin Pace, who had a little bit of an impact, but everybody else that we've drafted mid-rounds, guys like Dylan Donahue, guys like Lorenzo Malden, guys like Ja'Kai Polite, they have flopped. We've had issues with that. We haven't addressed it in very early rounds in the draft since Vernon Golston and Quentin Copels, who also flopped. The Jets haven't invested heavily in free agency in this position group. But with Robert Sala's defense, the way that he wants to get this thing going is not by blitzing the way the Jets have been since, really, Rex Ryan blitzed, Greg Williams blitzed, Todd Bowles liked to blitz. Robert Sala doesn't want to blitz as much. He wants to run a 4-3, have four guys that you know are coming after the quarterback, and then have them beat their man, get pressure, and have everybody else back in coverage. That's kind of the way that he wants to operate. It's a lot more you know, nuanced and complicated than that, but that's the basics of it. Versus Greg Williams and Rex Ryan and everybody who wanted to just do weird overload blitzes or keep you guessing who's going to come from where, but leave gaping holes when you just send a guy from X spot. Now that spot's wide open. So you're looking at edge rushers for this Robert Sala system is 4-3. And the first thing that you're looking at is, well, we know we got Quinn Williams in the middle. We know we got Foley Fadacassi in the middle as well. We need some guys on the end, some bookends, like Johnny Abraham and Sean Ellis were. We just lost Henry Anderson, which is great. We saved a lot of money there. We needed a guy that could put his hand in the dirt and get around a tackle. Carl Lawson is that guy. Again, 26 years old. Again, drafted in 2017. This guy was drafted in the fourth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. He has been great every single year for the Bengals. He doesn't have huge sack numbers. When you look, he's had eight and a half, one 1, because he had an ACL tear, 5, 5.5. So when you look at it, you're like, those aren't massive pass numbers. But his QB hits and his pressures are massive. He's had 54 QB hits in the past two seasons. His 32 QB hits this year, I believe that was second in the league to only TJ Watt. And this guy's 25 right now, going to be playing with the Jets at age 26. He's signed to the Jets for three years. That's a $45 million deal with $30 million guaranteed. So no matter what, he's going to be playing for the Jets for two years. We can choose whether or not we want to keep him for that third year. But he is, like my dad said, going to change this defense. He's a speed on the edge. He can beat a man one-on-one, he's got a long arm, he can do swim moves, he can do strafes, he can get around a guy, and he can get after the quarterback. Now, it's easier to do that when you have a push up the middle, and Quinnen Williams provides that. So the combination between the two is going to be electrifying. Now, I know after having Leonard Williams, a guy that we always praise for having pressures and quarterback hits and all that, disruptions, but not sacks, it kind of got old and people were like, well, he needs to get sacks, pressures isn't enough. But we've seen Leonard Williams has been extremely successful with the Giants, just got a massive contract. And pressures is very important, because for the last few years, we haven't had any, and it's evident. Carl Lawson doesn't necessarily get huge sack numbers yet, but he does get pressures, makes quarterbacks uncomfortable, and that's super important in this NFL and in Robert Sala's defense. Great signing here to have Carl Lawson. When you look at the defensive line that he was working with in Cincinnati, this Jets defensive line is probably going to be better than that, with a better scheme for Carl Lawson, where he can put his hand in the dirt, Play next to Quinn and Williams, have a push there. Try to get around a man. He'll have single coverage probably on one tackle, and if he can beat his man, he's going to get after the quarterback because he is quick. He is fast. So Carl Lawson, one of the biggest free agent signings in the entire league right now. We were looking at him. We were looking at Trey Hendrickson. Was another guy linked to the Jets, of the Saints. I think that Carl Lawson's a little bit faster. Has been good for a little bit longer. Trey Hendrickson had a really good last year and brought a lot of excitement to it, but. That defense was a lot better as well. Carl Lawson, Hendrickson, both would have been great pickups. But Hendrickson goes to the Bengals to replace Carl Lawson, and we get Lawson. So I'm super excited like my dad. I don't know if it's going to be the New York Sack Exchange 2.0, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun getting after the passer, finally. It's going to make everybody else look better. It's going to be easier on the cornerbacks to cover when you're getting a pass rush. And we're going to force punts a little earlier and stop teams from scoring a little faster. Carl Lawson, welcome to the Jets. This pick gets an A. And that's because you're signing a guy for three years, $45 million. That's 15 mil a year. And for an edge rusher who's super young like Carl Lawson and going to be such a good fit for this defense in a league that is just starved for pass rushers, you see how high they get paid. They are some of the highest paid position groups in the entire NFL. When you look at the other guys, Bud Dupree, Trey Hendrickson, Yannick Ngakwe, a bunch of guys, I think Carl Lawson's contract might be the most team-friendly of them all. Matt Judon, another one. I love 15 mil a year for a guy at this level, as young as he is, when you got him for a three-year deal. Awesome, awesome signing, an absolute A, and he is right now the star of this draft. Corey Davis is going to be flashy on offense, he's going to get the ball more, but Carl Lawson is going to be a game-wrecker for the New York Jets defense. And the thing about him as well is he's played in all but 13 games over a 64-game possible career. He was also drafted in 2017, so all three of these guys, Jared Davis, Corey Davis, and Carl Lawson are all drafted in the 2017 draft, that's the draft, if you don't remember, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Darius Stewart, Chad Hanson, Jordan Leggett, Dylan Donahue, Eli McGuire, Jeremy Clark, and uh, Derek Jones. That was that draft, so really all we got from that was Marcus May and a bunch of draft picks for Jamal Adams. But now it's going to return Carl Lawson. We're going to get Jared Davis and Corey Davis. We actually have a pretty big 2017 draft grouping, just not all drafted by the Jets. As it gets an A. It's awesome. That's the big one. The next one, B+, that Corey Davis signing. The new one that we just got today, Justin Hardy, a B, special teamer, core guy for three years. And then a flyer on Jared Davis who hopefully can use his athleticism to become an impactful linebacker for the Jets and uh, will give us a little bit of insurance depending on what happens with C.J. Mosley and with Blake Cashman. So overall, I think this is a really good start for Joe Douglas and the Jets. So the last order of business is just kind of taking a look at the landscape of free agency as we see it right now. Uh, Some stuff has happened since we've been recording this podcast for the last hour or so, but that's the big thing. What holes do we still have and who's still available in free agency? It's very important to keep in mind that we still have many draft picks, and Joe Douglas is planning on building the team through the draft. So it's okay if we lead this thing and you think to yourself, I really want an interior offensive lineman. or We really need a cornerback. or We really need an X because until Joe Douglas... Attacks this thing the way that he really truly wants to attack it through the draft, we don't really know what holes we have. And I believe that just like last year, he is going to bring in some very, very good talent in more than just the first round. I think second round, third round, he's going to make some waves and we're going to get some really, really good talent on this team. So definitely some holes being filled there. But before we talk about the guys that are still available in the positions and need the Jets still have at this point in time, we have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap. And today, this is the first time that I did something special for the podcast in a while because, as you may remember, I was dieting, seeing if I could lose weight for a wedding in a year and a half, and that uh, it didn't really work in the nine days that I tried it. And I also was on a bit of a spending... Halt, trying to save as much money as I could. Got a house purchase coming up in the next year and a half or so. So just trying to see if I could put together some money savings. I haven't really been buying those nice beers in a long time. But with free agency, legal tampering period, all this stuff, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get something special just for this podcast. And I went to my local m liquor store, and they had what they never have in the cooler. They just had a ton of sour beer, Gozas and Sours. I don't know if spring is Goza season or sour season. I thought it was like a summer thing kind of for me but they had a bunch of them in the cooler, and usually they do not have that. They had one brewed in my local hometown of Southington, Connecticut. Skygazer Brewing makes a Boba Bliss mango! Exclamation points all over this thing. It looks like an ice cream cone. Bobas, from my experience, are weird little tapioca balls that they put in the bottom of bubble tea at fast restaurants, but this is Boba Bliss, and I saw the name Bliss, and I saw that mango flavor, and I was like, you know what? I'm feeling really good about the Jets. I'm in feeling of bliss, and mango is just kind of a nice thing. So I've been drinking this bad boy. It is way too expensive. I'm not going to tell you what I paid for it, but you wouldn't have bought it if you saw the price. 5% alcohol, so a four-pack of them doesn't even really do all that much, but the flavor is extremely nice. It is mango-y and creamy, and it has a flavor like it's going to be super sour, like it's got that flavor on your taste bud like a warhead or something would have, but then before it starts to, like, zap your taste buds with that really sour, like, electricity feeling, it just stops, and it simmers down really smoothly. So it's got all the flavor of, like, a super sour beer without the actual impact on your tongue. And if you drink a lot of really sour beers, they start to get, like, they start to hurt your jaw under your ears, kind of. From all the sour, and this one doesn't really do that because it isn't as sour as some of those. But still tastes like it. So for me, I love it. It is a great little treat, and I'm glad that I, uh, you know, splurged a little for myself. Joe Douglas is splurging; spending the money. I can do the same. Plus, it was uh, about time the oranges drinking like boxed wine or Michelob Ultra or something weird for the podcast. We gotta do something good, right? We'll probably do something good next week too because we are gonna do the actual free agency recap next week. So more exciting stuff, more reasons to celebrate. But uh, Skygazer Brewing, Boba Bliss, Mango. I assume that because it says Mango with a bunch of exclamation points at the bottom, they probably have Bubble Bliss other flavors. You know, Boba Bliss Passion Fruit or whatever else. So perhaps another thing I can look out for. That is what's on tap this week. And now before we move forward, we have to do a quick commercial break. All righty, folks, welcome back to This is the Jet Life. The last order of business on this podcast is going to be to talk about the holes that are currently left for this team. Now, going into this thing, we knew that outside wide receiver was an absolute need for the Jets. Corey Davis filled that. We knew that pass rusher was an absolute need for the Jets. Carl Lawson somewhat filled that. I think we could still use another edge rusher. I still think we could use another wide receiver to be like a wide receiver four instead of big play Vincer. Lawrence Cager, one of those guys, get a little bit more competition in there. We got our special teams, ace potentially, and we got a flyer at linebacker, strong side linebacker, middle linebacker, wherever Robert Sala wants to use him. But the other positions of need that we still have right now, interior offensive line. We don't want to play Alex Lewis. In fact, we want to cut Alex Lewis and make money. But we watched Pat Elfline, our backup guard from last year, get signed by the Carolina Panthers. We see Alex Lewis is currently on the roster right now. We don't want to play Josh Andrews again. I mean, it was a mess last year. Even Greg Van Roten is a guy that you potentially could replace, but we need three guys before that can happen. So interior offensive line, very important. We will allow that to be a center because Connor McGovern is comfortable playing guard and could potentially move to guard if needed if we were to grab a better center. Now this is a position that potentially will be filled out a little bit through the draft, but I think that if we learned anything from like Cam Clark last year, you can't necessarily rely on one of these guys to come in and for sure be your starter unless you go with a first or second round pick for the Jets this year. And you may not want to do that if you're Joe Douglas. There may be somebody else more enticing. So that means you can't leave free agency without at least some sort of depth there that isn't Alex Lewis, Cameron Clark, and Greg Van Roten. So interior offensive line for show. Quarterback two. The backup quarterback is important because right now it's Sam Darnold and Captain Morgan. We have to replace Joe Flacco because we don't want to see Captain Morgan have Luke Falk-like snaps for the Jets this year. That's a bummer. Running back is still important. We did re-sign Josh Adams, who has been... You know, he's played minimally for the Jets. I don't know what he has, like 40 carries over the past two years with the Jets. Had a little bit more with his time with the Eagles before that. But he's probably not a, you know, a real timeshare kind of guy. He's kind of a backup option, maybe a practice squad guy. May not even end up making the team, but you want to get somebody a little bit more flashy in there. I don't think it's LaMichael P. Ryan. I think that he could be on the roster, but doesn't bring enough juice from what we've seen last year. Ty Johnson is a guy that makes sense in this offense, but you'd still like to see one more guy. Again, this is a position that is very, very easily drafted because there are a lot of very good young running backs coming out of the draft. It's a very instinctual position where they can be good right away as long as they don't fumble. And as we know, a lot of the success of running backs is based on the tread on the tires that they have, not getting worked up or you know beaten down too much in their years. So it's a position that you, position that you definitely could draft. It's just, do you really want to go into the draft thinking to yourself, we need to draft a running back who's going to get significant carries this year? Because then it kind of pigeonholes you when you get to the pick. You're like... Well, we like this guy. We didn't think he was going to be here, but we said we had to go running back, so we're going to pass up on X. You don't want to have a ton of that, so you could potentially go running back. I think that it's important to get, like I said, a wide receiver four, because big play Vince, Braxton Berrios, Lawrence Cager, these guys, not the end-all be-all, and as we know, wide receivers get injured and you end up using your backups, so let's have somebody with a little bit more pop. I'd like to see tight end, potentially, you know, Trevon Wesco hasn't amounted to much. Maybe he's going to be a fullback. It's hard to tell. We don't have Daniel, uh, Daniel Brown, and that's a good thing. We could cut Ryan Griffin, save $2 bucks, and he's really been quiet over the past couple of years. Chris Herndon is, you know, he's got a bunch of potential. We'd love him to be good, but he has struggled a little bit over the past year, and before that didn't even play. So it's like it might be nice to have some competition there in that room more than just Ryan Griffin. And you know that the Shanahan offense runs pretty heavily through a tight end. George Kittle, You know maybe it was Owen Daniels back in the day with the Texans, so maybe having another guy there. Another position that we'd be looking at, fullback, because Trevon is the only listed fullback on the team right now. There's like one or two guys in the draft you could get. There's really not that many free agents either because fullback is a half-dead position in the NFL. It's making a little bit of a resurgence over the past couple of years, but that's because Kyle Shanahan uses it in his offense all the time, and now Kyle Shanahan's offense splits again, goes over to the Jets as we get Michael Floor. He's probably going to try to instill an offense like that. The big guy we wanted, Kyle Juszczyk, was a 49er, re-signed back to the 49ers for another big deal five years, $27 million before uh, the legal tampering period even began. So he locked him up. I think he knew that the Jets, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, were going to be going after him to try to get him in our offensive unit. So they locked him up before uh, it got there, which is a lot to pay for an aging fullback, but sometimes your offense runs through a guy, and you got to have him. So we'll see how the Jets address that fullback position as there's minimal talent left in the uh, free agent market. Another position that we got to look at is edge. We did add Carl Lawson, one hand on the dirt guy, great, but we still need to replace the likes of a guy like, say, Frankie Louvu or Terrell Basham, who are not currently under contract. Jordan Jenkins, not under, under contract. Perhaps we replaced Henry Anderson there. But there's three more guys that open up. I'd like to see us maybe bring in one or two more guys that, uh, you know, some of those guys like Attack McKinley, Taco Charlton, these guys that were drafted pretty high because they've got some potential and they've had some flashes here and there, but a team doesn't want to give them a longer-term contract because they haven't earned it yet. So they let them hit free agency, but they're still young. These are the kind of guys that I could see Joe Douglas going after. Now, both of those guys may not be available, but that's the type of player, a guy that, like, you know, had potential at one point in the draft, had some sparks, some opportunity, and you just get them in there in a rotational position where you don't have to pay a ton of money for them, but Robert Sala can use them where he thinks, you know, they're best fit. Maybe they only play 10, 15, 20% of snaps, but it's more effective. I trust him to get the most out of his players. Outside cornerback, very important right now. We have Blashawn Austin and Bryce Hall. That is not enough for outside cornerback. You probably want to have another guy starting over Blashawn Austin at this point anyway. Well, Austin is an okay player, you still you want to have a good group. You're going to have five or six cornerbacks on the roster. You don't want to have your second best guy be Blashawn Austin and then have four guys like Arthur Mollett behind him that you're like, I hope these guys don't have to touch the field because that's going to be a major liability because as injuries happen, they're going to probably end up having to touch the field. So getting some outside cornerback help, very important. Nickel cornerback. Right now we have Javelin Guidry. We have not re-signed Brian Poole, who was our starting nickel cornerback. The Jets have been linked to some guys already at nickel cornerback, but that is a position that we need to address. Safety. Safety is important because Ashton Davis has not proven that he can be an every down safety yet, in my opinion. He's not proven that he can be healthy for a full 16 weeks, in my opinion. And he's not a true strong safety, in my opinion. I want to keep Marcus May where he's comfortable at free safety as that great, you know, single deep high safety. Awesome at that. But you need to have another guy who's more of a strong safety. More of a tackler, cleaning stuff up, maybe guarding a tight end. And I haven't seen enough from Ashton Davis to think that he can do that for 16 weeks in a successful Robert Sala defense. So bringing in one more guy there to compete with him. And if he gets it, great. And if not, and he ends up being the third safety that we know touches the field, that would be awesome too. And then lastly, a kicker. Because we don't want to go back in with another season of freaking ficking who missing kicks, making it ugly. We don't want to have to be looking at guys like Sergio Castillo thinking that that's an upgrade. I mean, what kind of season is this where we're like, I think Sergio Castillo from the AAF is an upgrade for the team. We shouldn't be doing that. We should just have a guy like Matt Prater or Robbie Gold who's just there, signed as a free agent, and just kicks for us for five years awesomely. That's what we should do. That's what these teams do. There's enough kickers in circulation, veteran guys, who are much better than Ficken and much better than freaking uh, Sergio Castillo or Kari Vedvik or any of those guys. So let's go out and get one. There is one guy that I like, Jose Borg- Borgales, in the draft that potentially we could get. He's the hot name, a la Rodrigo Blankenship. He does not have goggles. He does not have a cool name as Blankenship. does not wear as cool a number in college as Blankenship. But he is this year's best kicker, in my opinion. And if you wanted to go with a young guy, since the team probably won't be playing in competitive playoff games this season, you could get him for one year and try him out. But that's stuff for the draft preview podcast that's coming up in probably not... Next podcast in two weeks, but the one after that, so like four weeks away. But in the meantime, those are the positions. So interior offensive line, guard or center, QB 2, running back, wide receiver 4, tight end, fullback, edge, outside cornerback, nickel cornerback, safety, and kicker. And to you, that sounds like, wow, that's a lot of stuff we got to fill in right now. We don't need them all to be great. They don't have to be superstars. Some can just be serviceable, good players. We also have plenty of draft picks, and Joe Douglas wants to build this team through the draft. And at the end of the day, if there are a couple holes on this team... That's expected because this team is not expected to win 12 games. They're not expected to win 13 games. They're expected to probably win 7, 8 games, which isn't what you want to hear. But they're building this thing the right way. They're giving out modest contracts to the guys that deserve it. They're drafting, and they're making something special here. I really believe that. Joe Douglas has a great vision, but it's not going to be built overnight. That's what Mike McKagan did, and the reason that we sucked for the next four years is because he did that. He was impatient and just signed a bunch of guys, spent all the money, and it takes forever to get out of that. You can't do it. Joe Douglas is doing this thing the right way. It's not going to yield 12 wins right now. There will probably be some holes when the season starts, and we'll say, well, that's not good enough, but you know what? Those are the position groups that we are going to address the following year in that year's draft where, again, we have two first-round picks and beyond. So those are the guys or position groups that we are looking at. Now talking about some guys that are available right now, as far as I know, at each position group. I have been getting some notifications, not reading them too crazy, but uh, there's been, yeah, like Puna Ford is being looked at by the Seahawks. I'm getting all this stuff right now. Like, I'm not processing all of it. That is boring to me. Uh, I think that it's interesting. Before I get into this, I will say that the Seahawks are kind of falling apart right now. And that's awesome because Jamal Adams is there and we like him to be unhappy because he was like, I want to go to a winner where things are great like Seattle. And I think he got there a little bit too late. And also we had the Seahawks pick. So the worse they do, the better draft pick we have in 2022. So Russ Wilson potentially moving. Shaq Griffin not resigning going elsewhere. I love it. I don't think this is what Jamal Adams thought was going to be happening right away when he was with the Seahawks. And at the end of the day, He's probably going to end up hitting free agency and sign on a huge mega contract somewhere else, and it will absolutely not have been worth it for the Seahawks to have him for two seasons and win, what, no playoff games? So any Hooser, moving over to the positional players that we can target for each group. Interior offensive line. The Raiders just cut Rodney Hudson, who was a Pro Bowl center, could take that center role for the Jets and move McGovern over to guard. Well, Hudson didn't have his best year last year in 2020, he has been very, very good since 2015 and would be an instant upgrade at that center position because you could move McGovern to guard, which would be an increase there, so that would be good. Another center you could pick up would be Austin Reiter of the Kansas City Chiefs, formerly, or Matt Scura formerly of the Baltimore Ravens. Neither one is a star, but both of them are upgrades. And Keeping in mind that when you move McGovern over to guard, take one of these centers, you are replacing Alex Lewis, which is awesome. So those guys could work. If you want to just go with a straight-up guard, Forrest Lamp is available. I like Forrest Lamp. He's not that good. Maybe he's just a competition guy like a Pat Elfline was. But he's got a cool name. He's played for the Chargers, and he's. Uh, I think I always notice him because his name is Lamp. So he's one of the few linemen in the league that, like, when I'm watching a game, I just watch this guy play. Does he make mistakes? Sure, but he's not that bad. And the Jets always have guards on the team that are just okay. That's a position that you have. That's a Pat Elfline. It was what Alex Lewis was supposed to be. David Andrews, Patriots, potentially available as well. He's a polling center in the Jets' wide zone blocking scheme. I don't see polling centers being as important. That's more of an angle blocking scheme sort of position. Uh, breaking news, the Bills to sign Emmanuel Sanders. What do we think about that? Emmanuel Sanders going to the Bills to try to compete for one more championship. This guy's bounced around from, like, contender for the last three, four years, and it hasn't really worked for him yet. We will see if the Bills can get him to the promised land, but I think some of his best football is behind him, though he is a reliable receiver. He just has been trending down the last few years, just a little bit slower each year. So that was interior offensive line. Running backs, I think some of the big names you'd see, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, Philip Lindsay. Phillip Lindsey would be good for our offensive scheme, I think. Kenyon Drake as well. Chris Carson's just a really good back. like to see him here. Tight end, Dan Arnold, a big, tall, kind of like reminds me of a Zach Sudfeld type of tight end, but more successful than that. Was pretty good for the Cardinals last year. Really athletic guy from the Rams. Gerald Everett is available still. When you're looking at wide receiver to fill that wide receiver four position, I think guys like Rashard Higgins, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel would be awesome. And if Joe Douglas wants to do something crazy and have like some wild wide receiver core, you could get Juju Smith-Schuster or Kenny Galladay and completely take that area of need out of the draft. Quarterback two was important to me. Since we've recorded this podcast, Jacoby Brissett, I believe, has signed, or it was right before that. So looking at like Trubisky or Alex Smith is that QB too, somebody that can come in, potentially win a game, but I don't think your fan base is going to be really cheering for this guy to start if you have a rookie or Sam Darnold. You don't really want to have a guy that the whole fan base is like, we want to see Fitzpatrick the second a guy has a bad game. That's why the Dolphins didn't want to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's why they were like, trying to force themselves to play Tua it was this whole thing because like it's a pain to have a young quarterback trying to get better and have your whole fan base like this guy's giving us a better chance to win you almost in a way would rather just deal with what happens from your young guy even if it's not the better result so those guys like Terod Taylor who just signed to the Texans or a guy like Alex Smith or Jacoby Brissett, who come in and play backup quarterback don't steal the show Don't ask to be the starter. The fan base is like, we know what we've seen from this guy. It's good, but it's never going to be all that great. So they don't go over there. The lack of potential kind of helps that. So checking some of those guys out. Fullback, I don't love anybody on this market. So that is all the guys on offense that I'm currently looking at for the Jets. On the defensive side of the ball, looking at edge rushers, you could go after Terrell Basham, former Jet. Kerry Hyder, former 49er, who's got familiarity with Robert Sala. I think he'd be a great fit. If you want to pay a little bit more, Hassan Reddick, who had a career year last year, could be fun. Linebackers, Jayon Brown from Tennessee. It's probably the biggest-named one that you could get, or re-signing one of our own, Neville Hewitt, if you wanted to get another guy there. Cornerback, this is a big position for the Jets because we have a lot of gaps here. I think you've got Hall, Austin, and Guidry. That's basically it. We just signed Justin Hardy, so maybe that's fourth, but he's not really a true cornerback. So You still probably need to get two to three more guys in this position group. One nickel, two outside. Looking at guys like Kwan Williams or Brian Poole. William Jackson. Adoree Jackson was just cut by the Titans. Didn't have a great year, but super athletic and has some potential. Desmond King. Kevin King. Richard Sherman. Akella Weatherspoon. I think that these are guys that maybe Desmond King is the only guy and William Jackson probably that you would really be comfortable starting outside. Richard Sherman probably could do it, but you know he's close to going over the edge where he's not going to be a starting caliber cornerback. Some of the other guys are Nichols, you know, Kawan Williams and Brian Poole. Dory Jackson and Kevin King, more flyers. I think that if you were to get a Desmond King or a William Jackson or Richard Sherman, you'd feel pretty good going into the season. If not, you probably need to address this position group in the draft. That's okay. There's some good talent. It's just a, a little bit more towards the top of the draft. You'd have to make a move first round, second round to go after like a Newsom, Stokes, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, or... Uh, Guy I really like J C Horn, Joe Horn's son. So one of those guys would be a move maker probably to fill that group out. But uh, there's definitely some guys you want to bring in competition. You want to bring in some guys that potentially could, you know, have some upside. And then safety, and I think safety is a little bit more important now that we've seen what the Patriots have done in their tight end room. Uh, there's a couple of guys that I like: Jakeski Tart from the 49ers, Anthony Harris, and Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal is a guy that during this podcast I got a notification that. The Jets are interested, and in there's some mutual agreement from both sides from a Keanu O'Neal, so we'll see if that comes to fruition in any way, but he would be a good safety. You want competition there. You know that Marcus May is going to be your starter for show at free safety, but you don't want it to just be Ashton Davis. It can't be just Ashton Davis, and you'd rather not have like the other guy be Arantes, Miles or Matthias Farley who's like a good locker room guy and okay on special teams but shouldn't really be playing on the defensive side of the ball. You want it to be a guy who really can play minutes for you. And I think that there's a lot of guys in the market, and that's not a very expensive position group. You don't really want to have to waste a draft pick there because we have a bunch of other needs that I'd like to see at young positions. And we've already got Ashton Davis drafted last year and Marcus May, who's still fairly young. So that's a position that you just throw $5 bucks at and get your guy there. Kicker, whoever, as long as it's not Ficken or Castillo, as long as it's a guy who's kicked 85% or 80% field goal in a season at least two, three times, then it's an upgrade. So those are the guys that I would go after for the position that the Jets need to go after. There's going to be news coming for the next few days, nonstop. I will be tweeting basically every hour as this stuff keeps happening. I uh, drank a late coffee today, a 4.30 p.m. coffee, to help with the podcast and to help stay up later so that I can follow free agency into the wee hours of the night. It was the other year that the the Jets signed, like, it was Le'Veon Bell at, like, I don't know if it was, like, 3 or 4 a.m., I was up for his record deal and trying to hear, like, when his mixtape dropped to see if he would talk about what team he was playing for. I have no idea why I was doing that, but I was so tired and it was so late that it was like, this makes sense. This is all we've got right now. As you just get engulfed into this weird black hole of Jets' Twitter ideas. So we'll, uh, hopefully get involved in something like that again. Waiting for rumors. Gonna go t- tune into, uh, NFL Network Now, see what updates have happened since this podcast went out. If you guys are looking for a good site to just kind of recap everything that's happened in free agency, I think Roto World from NBC Sports is really good. If you just go to the NFL and go to the transactions tab, you can scroll through all transactions that have been made, and there's really not as many as you'd think, and they have it with the picture, the guy's name, the team they're going to, and then a little summary. And I think that it makes it very easy to just kind of like get a refresher of like, oh yeah, this is what happened. Because if you don't look at it and see it like all put out like that in a timeline, it gets confusing because there's just every 15 minutes another news story of a rumor or a guy signing somewhere or a guy re-signing somewhere, and it gets crazy. So Roto World from NBC Sports is a very good tool. Other than that, I don't really have much for you. I am going to be back in two weeks. I don't know the date on that one. Let's uh, verify here. Two weeks will be March 30th, end of the month. To do a free agency recap. At this point, the Jets will probably have spent close to 20 to $25 million more, probably four or five more guys brought in, maybe one big name and the rest just some re-signs or some camp bodies, maybe a couple other guys that would be role players for the Jets. Don't expect a ton of splashes. I think getting Corey Davis and Carl lost already were a little bit maybe bigger than we were expecting them to do. So even though we have some money left, Joe Douglas is still sort of cautious. He's not going to just buy everything right now. You do get cap rollover. If you don't spend it all, you do get more the following year. And since the Jets aren't really truly competing for a Super Bowl this year, we don't even know who our quarterback is going to be, it does make sense to roll some over if you can. But if a great deal comes along and a player is looking to play for you, go for it. We will see guys continue to get cut. We will see the free agent market grow and shrink as people sign and cut players. And there's a ton more to come. So in two weeks on the 30th, we are going to talk about all that, what the Jets ended up doing, the rest of Joe Douglas' approach. But I was glad I got to do this one today. It worked out really nicely. We could kind of, instead of looking at all of free agency, we could look at the first half and get a feel for like, all right, these three, four guys, instead of just a whole whirlwind of like, here's 15 guys, good luck breaking them all down. So we can do half today. We'll do half in two weeks, and that's it. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan, And thank you for joining me for this podcast. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life.